What's up, everybody? This is Mike Atkins from Nerds on Earth, welcoming you to yet another episode of the AMP. And as usual, I'm joined by Adam from the Back Patio Network. And we are here to continue our read through and comical discussion of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. We are covering episodes slash chapters 71, 72, 73, and 74 this week. It's going to be a good week. These chapters are really starting to heat up. Uh, but before we dive into our chapters, we have a small announcement to make uh, for the schedule, the release schedule of our episodes over the next couple of weeks. Adkins, you want to hit us with what we're changing up? Yes. So we know that the anime's fifth season resumes on March 27th, which is uh, now officially just a few weeks away, just a couple of weeks away. Um uh, as as opposed to a couple of weeks ago when I said that it was. So as we're <laughs> looking at that deadline and how our our usual production schedule falls, Adam and I have come to this conclusion. So we are currently recording a little peek behind the, uh, the curtains here. We're recording on March 2nd, uh, as we usually do every other Tuesday. But instead of recording every other Tuesday and trying to fumble around with the beginning of the anime, we want to hit an episode that drops really close to the release of the first episode of this fifth season just to kind of jump on that hype train. So here's what we're going to do. Um, for the month of March, we're basically going to go back to releasing weekly. So we're going to record on the 2nd. This episode will go live on the 8th. Uh, then we will have another episode go live on the 15th, the 22nd, and the 29th, all of which will be Vigilantes chapters as we try to get to the end of the current arc in Vigilantes, which is called the final performance arc. That way, when we stop our coverage of Vigilantes, uh, it is at a natural stopping place and not in the midst of something that we have to try to fumble our way back into picking back up whenever we get back around to, uh, to Vigilantes content. Then, on the 30th, Adam and I are going to sit down and kind of do, kind of give the first episode of the new season a My, uh, a My Hero treatment, a an MST3K treatment. We're going to watch it together. We're going to record our commentary and basically be like, all right, if you're ready to watch this episode, click play on your episode at home now. And then you will be able to keep up with our commentary as we watch things. Um, so that those two things will run simultaneously. It'll be a very different experience. And we, we invite your opinions on it afterwards. I mean, we're committed to doing it that way. Uh, but on the other end of it, if you hated it, then let us know. It's fine. It was an experiment. Um, but if you liked it, we might continue to do things like that in the future. Um, so we're we're creating, you know, we're tr trying something new, seeing how it goes, listening to you guys because we care about your opinions on what it is that we're doing, uh, and then moving on from there. So does that about cover it? I think it does. Yeah, I think so. I'm uh, looking forward to it. We're going to be recording a lot the next couple of weeks and reading a lot more. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get through this arc and it's kind of unlike us. I mean, normally we're the ones that like, you know, go to record our last uh, episode of the season and it's, you know, the like three episodes or there's two episodes and then one before the end of the season. So right. we, we always had a weird like episode or, or podcast episode release that was either you know, one episode of the show or three episodes of the show. So maybe this will fix all that. Who knows? We're trying to plan ahead. Look We're at us make being all right. proactive and stuff. <laughs> We're like professionals or something. Yeah. So that what this will mean essentially is um, you'll get two episodes the last week of March slash first week of April. One, that will be the end of the final performance arc on Monday the 29th on Almighty Monday. Then... The additional all hype, the anime is back episode kind of midweek, certainly before Friday, 
and then there will be a, a kind of a two week buffer between that and the next opportunity where we can return to our typical format. If we do like, uh, it, you know, if you guys are like, oh man, we love this commentary format better, uh, then that might change some things. But as it is now, we suspect that we will go back to doing uh, two episodes, covering two episodes of the anime in a single episode of ours, which would mean that we would record on the 13th of April and release our next episode on the 19th. So you'll have a gap of a little north of 14 days, which is a, a slightly larger gap than typical. But at the same time, March is going to be bursting at the seams with, uh, with AMP content. So, And with that, I say we dive right into episode 71, titled Hideout of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. What do you let's think? Talk, let's talk about this first page. I Dude. got all excited about this, uh, this little, if you want to call it a cover page for episode 71. Right. Because it looks like Knuckle Duster's in it. It does. And Knuckle Duster is in this chapter, like, randomly, and it's not a big deal. And did I miss something? Yes. Okay, so I... So I, I opened up the app. We're reading this on Shonen Jump app now. and uh, Yeah, which I, I think like, our buddies over... Uh, which podcast was it that recommended that to Hero us? Hero Notes. Hero Notes. Yeah, that's right. Hero Notes. Uh, yeah, great Mark, folks over there. Uh, Mark and Luke have been using this, and uh, we've, we've been doing it uh, kind of under the table a little bit uh, once the production manga had stopped. And, the, and for $2 a month, dumb. This, yeah. Why were why weren't we doing this from the beginning? I'm still going to buy know. the production mangas, but this is this is super simple. So yeah, go check out viz.com. We need this. <laughs> I'm glad yeah, we have the, it now <laughs> in the Shonen Jump app. So anyway, you look at the first page of this, and it's Koichi Knuckle Duster, his back. Uh, you don't see his face or anything, and then you can see kind of a part of the silhouette of Pop uh, because she has a very distinctive arm uh, paraphernalia. I don't know what you would call that. A glove. A um, uh, glove arm. Yeah. It's Cutlet, got a poof. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, like got a, a, it's got a poof. It's an arm on her, accessory. On her bicep. Um, and so I, I was, I struggled with the continuity because like you said, Knuckle Duster shows up in this, but it seems strange because we haven't seen him for a long time, not since his fight with Six. Like, and not only have we not seen him, but Koichi and Pop haven't seen him in forever. Right. And he just like, Nobody has. stumbles in and is like, oh, hey. And they're like, oh, hey. So I looked this up and basically uh, when I was looking up at the the actual listed appearances of Knuckle Duster in the manga on the wiki, it counts his appearance in episode seventy one as a flashback. Now there is what to my my reading of this chapter, there is no indication that this is a flashback, except for the fact that it doesn't fit in the continuity of the the chapter itself or the arc itself. But yeah, it's a flashback apparently. <laughs> I'm like, no, there's no, I'm sorry. What? No way. <laughs> this is supposed to be a flash, but there's not any indication. And there have been, I feel like no. there have been plenty of flashbacks in Vigilantes where it has been obvious that it's a flashback. This is not one of those yeah. cases. Yeah. Okay. They needed the, uh, the Wayne's world. The, yeah. Something. You know? Yeah. Uh, but we got, we got nothing. nothing. We got nothing. Uh, and it's, yeah, that was frustrating because it, it is seamless. Like, Page to page, it feels seamless, other than the fact that, like, no one is surprised that Knuckle Duster is hanging out in their weird little, like, apartment complex. The rooftop. The rooftop. Yeah. Yeah. So, last week, it was really funny because Adam and I had to cut out a bunch of uh, our recorded content as we struggled to figure out how in the world this <laughs> episode, or the, the website that we were using for scans, had, they dis they were unorganized. They weren't in the right order. Um, and so like, if we were still doing that and the scans had been in the right order, I still would have been like, 
how in the hell does this fit yeah. in? <laughs> because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit at all. And there's no indication that it's a flashback unless you go to the wiki or we're just complete morons. But I don't think both of us are. I mean, I hope that you don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So let's just jump into episode 71. Um, past uh, Knuckle Duster's back. Uh, we... we catch up with uh, Pop Step and who we know to be Six, who is still posing as uh, her, or the, the Marukane um, manager, uh, and they're sitting in another cafe, and hopefully he's not roofing her again in her drink or trying to slip her something alcoholic. Definitely seemed like he was that uh, last episode, uh, but she's really like leaning into him. I mean, and I say that just from a, an emotional perspective. She's kind of going through and telling him all about like how she is feeling about Koichi and, and she even starts to talk about other people as well, like including her mother. And um, it's, it's kind of strange because while she's talking, we get a little bit of like six background where he apparently at some point in time learned human interactions from O'Clock, but I don't think O'Clock ever actually trained with him. So I'm not sure what this was about. I don't know if this is from a video or a poster, but he's, he's seeing O'Clock talk about how, the quirk that he now has six is able to basically read subconscious cues based off of the way people are reacting as they talk. So you can lead them to a certain conclusion or path to get the truth out of them. Uh, it's pretty intense. It seems like. Yeah. And I really like that, that wrinkle, I guess, to this quirk that he's so fast that he can pick up on subtle body language and verbal, I guess. Cues. Oh, it's incredible. Um, yeah. And Yeah. And he, I mean, it's super powerful. And he messes up the first time because he he anticipates that she's talking about her courage. And this is something I wanted to make note of, too, because she's like, he's like, he can't find the courage. And she says, no, it's not really that. So he tries again. He says, oh, then it has to be the timing. And then she's like, yeah, the timing. And he says, OK, I got it right that time. Then we get the explanation of the quirk. But then she just goes back to the courage thing. So I was like, but it was courage because she says, the thing is, at the end of the day, I'm just not confident. I was like, OK, so it was courage. Yeah, yeah that was funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he, she's, she's struggling with how to talk to a, a number of people in her life that she, she names, but it's really primarily Koichi, I would say. And, uh, Six is saying, you know, everybody loves you, Pop. And she says, but there are different types of quote unquote love. And, and he, Six picks up on this is kind of the heart of the matter. And so he invites her to this change of scenery. He's like, hey, you know, let's let's calm down. We'll go take a walk and, and then we'll we'll get you to a place where you, you have this healthy communication with these people. And then he's like, you know, you can you can talk to your mom and then the girls. And then while you're at it, Koichi, and she says, OK, yeah, sure. While we're at it, then you just get this random untelegraphed flashback according to the wiki yeah and i it mean it comes out of nowhere it does because there's a panel of them walking off and then there's the panel of our little like box up on top of this complex that koichi lives in and she's there cooking so you could assume that it was the end of their date and maybe they're i don't know anyways this is the flashback we're talking about she's at home she or she's not at home home she's at koichi's place she's cooking him curry knuckle duster walks in and is just like hey it's me she says, oh, hi, like no big deal. So it really threw me for a loop. Uh, but he says, you're cooking. I uh, don't see that every day. And she says, yeah, I cook now and then. And Koichi says he likes curry. So, you know, I'm doing it for him. You got a problem with that? And he's like, well, why would I? You know, you just do you. And then he says, but, you know, you're, you, the way you hide your motives and feelings, that's probably a bad habit. You got to work on it. Uh, and you got you to gotta hold on to that cognitive dissonance too long. And it'll keep, 
he says it's going to keep you from making the right moves. So it's like he's hyper aware of the fact that she is fallen for Koichi. She's she wants to talk to him about it. But this seems to, if it is a flashback, to have been at least years in the past. I don't know about years, but it was definitely like before Knuckle Duster just disappeared. Yeah. Like he didn't just disappear and then walk through the <laughs> front door of the uh, rooftop hideout all casual and nobody's like, oh, master, we haven't seen you in a while. You know? Yeah, exactly. Especially with like the end of the last chapter in this series where Koichi gets something from master and is like, oh, wow, I haven't seen him in forever. So, yeah, I think the only clues that we get that this is a, a flashback is that when we catch back up with Pop Step and Six, they're still dressed the same. And she kind of picks up the conversation exactly where it left off. That uh, that is full pregnant basically with the context of this flashback where she says, I guess people ought to be honest and upfront with themselves and with others. So she had this in her mind replay, you know, and in the anime, this would have been communicated a lot more clearly. It didn't translate well in the manga at all, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially since the way that they transitioned it from the original scene to the flashback back into the scene by using the scenery around them. So they've got the pictures of like, you know, the, the box on top of the complex. And then they've got the pictures of the town or the city surrounding it. And then she's back into the conversation. But at the end of every page, it's like, there's a little panel of the city. And I guess that's just where they're walking through the city as they talk. But the way that it's drawn out. Yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. I don't feel like it fits super well in this, but regardless, uh, they continue on to this conversation. And uh, it's, it's interesting because Nomura is talking about how, he loves this new pop that's all bark and some bite, you know, and she's getting kind of uh, embarrassed a little bit. She's like, no, I don't say that. That's not what I need right now. She talks about how much she likes Nomura here. She she says that you're, you're pretty honest to yourself. You don't snap at people or pout or sulk. You're not always reliable, but at least you're gentle. And she says, I think that it's much better to be that way. And I think she's referencing kind of back to Koichi in this flashback where you know he he comes up and talks about his feelings about the curry and how he loves it so much and yada 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 and you know pop makes a comment to knuckle duster like so you'd rather me wear my emotions on my sleeves like that and he says ah everything in moderation pretty much and i I think she's trying to say that that's why she likes nomura a little bit better it's not that he is that full force like you know right in your face He, he is that kind of gentle guy that is able to talk and, and be easy with what's going on but he doesn't seem to think that and we obviously know that that's not who he is either uh, he says honest gentle yuck those aren't compliments to me because i'm rock namura a wild man hiding a fiery passionate side and a complex inner life and i this got a like huge crack out of me because the the way they draw him here he does look a little bit more like six a little bit more devious just like man you have no idea who i am yeah and he he takes it kind of personally the way that he or the way that Pop Step is talking about him, and she considers his response as a shtick. She says, oh, that shtick again. And he says, but but I mean it. He says, you'd be shocked if you got a peek at my secret base, which like, ladies, gentlemen, this is a this is a pickup line that somehow works it's such a in creepy, this manga. Creepy comment, man. <laughs> it should never work in real life. Yeah. <laughs> you should get a peek at my secret base. Nope. Don't just walk away. Yeah. Um, but it works on Pop because he, he's like, you could even call it hideout. And he's like, or Pop Step's like, you mean that cafe from the other day? And then all of a sudden they're standing in front of a dilapidated building. And when we had a similar scene like this with Koichi inviting his college friends over to the rooftop hideout, they looked at this building, gave it a glance and were like, nah, dog, we're good. We're, we're not, we're not ever going to set foot in this place. Yeah. She has the exact opposite reaction. She's just like, oh, well, you know, 
I know this place looks like it's about ready to be fall down or be torn down, but I know somebody else who lives in a dump, so I guess I could go into this one too. She's doing everything wrong. Her survival instincts in this chapter are way off. It's kind of funny though, because I feel like isn't this a confirmation bias? I think like she's just basing this experience off of all of her past ones, and she knows yes. Koichi lives in this dilapidated building, and he's a great guy, so why not rock, right? Yeah, she's basically like, I've been in an abandoned building. Um, it's fine. Yeah, I'll go in another abandoned building. It's I'm sure it's sure to be fine. But what gets even weirder is like he's leading her down the stairs, and she's like, Oh, is there still a business in the basement? He's like, Yeah, there's business down there. All right, <laughs> you know, and there's a door that they. He leads her to, and she opens it up, and she hears something, and she's like, hey, it's uh, it's pitch black in here, and turns around, and Six is standing there, and it appears his scar is lit up. This was another weird transition where, like, there's no scar, and then in the next panel, with shadowing, there is scar. I still don't know what they're doing Do you think that. it lights up? Like that it glows? I, that's the only thing I can think at this point. I mean, because, like, this is another shot where they're showing him from below, and his he- his face is heavily shadowed with like a hat or something and the scar is like glowing while there's shadow around it. So I, I don't know. It's, it seems really inconsistently handled. Yeah. Where he just goes from scar to no scar to scar again. I don't know. I, I, I quit caring to That's be fair. honest. I was just like, Oh, his scars back. We know he has it, but sure. literally the neck, the panel before this, he didn't whatever. Yeah. Well, he shoves her into the bill or into this, uh, this pitch black room. And I don't know if lights turn on or if she just kind of starts to adjust to the darkness and is able to see all of the rotting corpses in this place. I mean, it's disgusting, and there are bees everywhere. And that's the end of this chapter. It was a pretty, like, that's a good cliffhanger. You're like, what? It, like, just totally unexpected. I mean, we knew that Six was bad. We knew he was going to do something, but I didn't expect him to just kidnap Pop like that. So this is, this is really interesting because there aren't just any bees, obviously. Uh, especially on the last page, you get uh, they're they're more finely drawn than they are on the second to last page. And they've got like those needle you, bodies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So these are the bees that Queen Bee had. Um, and they're they're back. And the last time that we saw any of these, of course, we had Knuckle Duster at, like extricate, remove from the face of his daughter, the Queen Bee, the like giant swollen behind queen bee maggot looking thing that was super graphic out of her eye socket. Um, and then he threw some pheromones down, I believe that attracted all the other bees to it and then blew them all up somehow. And so we presumed that that was just the end of that, but six was on that scene and there's a couple of panels where he catches a lone bee that had Mm -hmm. the, uh, the injector needle behind on it. And so this is, he was somehow able to cultivate a new queen bee. And I thought that that was a little funky to begin with, but I, I looked this up online and apparently like, I thought that you were either born a queen bee or you weren't, but um, you could be born a regular bee. I mean, you bees can be born a regular bee. <laughs> uh, and then bees can selectively feed them uh, what, what they call a uh, Royal jelly. And that will ensure that the larvae that gets that, turned into a queen that's interesting so, so it's like a hormone so is, dump or something i guess yeah so there is a way to like to to create a queen after birth so well, maybe that's what what happened here he yeah. caught that loner and somehow transformed it into a queen that's what i was thinking like when when i saw this my first thought was okay so it wasn't that the queen bee was gotten rid of a queen bee was gotten rid of like he was able to either take the one he caught and turn it into another one or queen bees not a quirk as much as it was like uh an infestation of some kind so this may be some sort of 
who knows if it's a parasite that he can control. Like maybe that's one of his quirks we don't know about. Or if this is like a technological object, right? Like maybe this is some sort of techno bee that he's able to implant and then control the brain from there. We, I don't think we really know. So we, we begin chapter 72, which is called The Search, with uh, Koichi showing, actually showing up to a Marikane um, meeting where they're going to organize these things. But when he shows up, everybody's freaking out. They're all on their phones uh, trying to get a hold of Pop, but she's not answering. Yeah, and he mentions the, he's got a nice new tie on. Do you think that's the tie that Mikado gave him? I would guess so. I yeah. hadn't looked back to check continuity. But, yeah, um, I was just curious. Did he draw attention to it? Yeah, it, yeah, he draws it. A pretty great necktie, yeah. I'm assuming that that's, that's a, it's a safe assumption without having to scroll back yeah. that that's uh, Mikado's tie. I didn't realize he was job hunting again. I thought he had a job. Like, why? this guy's always hunting for a job, it feels like. Well, he, maybe he, he, maybe he was a little overeager at that last one where he was just like, I love cleaning stuff. Maybe that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, whoa, okay. Like, they're like, what is wrong? Well, with let's this calm guy? down there, buddy. Maybe they were just like, yeah, we'd rather have somebody who really hates this job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, regardless, so the, the girls, uh, me, you and her sister are both there and they are talking about how they haven't talked to Pop in a while. Uh, and it's, it's kind of sad because, you know, they were aware of the fact that she was doing something extra, but they didn't really know what it was. And they mentioned like, man, we really should have sat her down and talked to her about it, what was going on. And they asked Koichi like, Hey, do you know anything about what she could be doing? And he's like, I don't know. She seemed like she was involved with something, but, uh, I, I you know, she stormed out the other day when she was going to say something. I, I just don't really know, you know, just that absent minded Koichi. And, uh, it's so funny because they freak out. They're like, Oh, you total blockhead. And you know, they, they're aware that pop has feelings for Koichi. So it, it's, it's gotta look really bad to them that he's just so unaware of his surroundings. They were already onto kind of this weird relationship maybe between her and the manager or, you know, they had asked questions in previous chapters about what it is that Pop was up to that was drawing her and also that manager like immediately left that meeting after mm -hmm. Pop did last time. Um, so, that, I mean, they've they've definitely got their suspicions raised and uh, they, they note that it's not only Pop that they can't get a hold of, uh, but the, the manager himself uh, can't can't be reached either he's not he's not present so they they basically start uh breaking out into a search party so and this is i thought this was pretty neat because at first they cover the cyber front of things so they're like let's confirm her real name contact her home and school don't forget website and social media like they're, they're, they're on like full-on cyber stalker on this stuff they send the three over eager we need to exercise to get better girls um, to go check out her usual hangouts they send koichi back to his place uh to look for clues but he gets there he tries calling her himself she's not picking up for him either uh and she, he doesn't really rifle through her stuff because he is trying to respect her privacy even though it's his house i thought um <laughs> so it's like okay he checks the bulletin board no messages there and then he starts being introspective he's like you know now that i think about it i don't really know that much about popped uh, about pop and he says she just popped into my life one day and then we were always together and i kind of assumed it would always be that way and we heard pop say something very similar to that not too long ago when koichi was talking about retiring and, and getting a day job she said i just kind of assumed it would kind of always be like this that's true yeah i forgot about that they've kind of always been a couple without realizing they were a couple yeah uh and then he he's there's a panel that shows knuckle dusters retired uh brass knuckles in the little bag on the bulletin board. And he says, you know, sometimes people pop into your life and they disappear just as fast. And there's no guarantee that there'd always be a tomorrow for us, as he says, as he's suiting up. 
Uh, so I'd better figure things out today. It's Who he... did you hang out with? Where should I go uh, to find you? And, and there's a really cool progression of scenes where he goes and he increases the number of people in the search party. So he goes to the cafe slash rehabilitation center of the Hode brothers in Teruo because he knows he has friends there. And so in the next panel, he's recruiting the X-Men. And then in the next panel, everybody's running around this city trying to find Pop. And then at the end, he also asks himself, what am I to you and what are you to me? So mm-hmm. he's really coming to come into this conclusion that like, okay, there's some more feelings here than I realized. And he says, sure, sure. This must be what Mikado meant that one time. And he gets a phone call from, is it you or me? You, I think it's you here. Uh, that says that they finally were able to get through to pop's mom and that she actually hasn't been home since last weekend. And we don't know if this is like Monday and she went missing on Friday or if this is like, you know, the, the following Friday and it was, it's been seven days. We're not sure how long it exactly has been, uh, but she, they've already filed a missing persons report and, uh, that basically the mom had no idea to contact them because pop never told her mom about Naru fest. And it's likely that her mom had no idea she was pop step. I'm guessing. Yeah, that seemed like a strange thing to me that she had never told her family about Naru Fest. Well, she kind of mentioned in the last chapter, though, that she had all of these different personalities for the people she was around. You know, she was a different pop for each person. And that was part of her conflict was that, like, she doesn't know how to be the same person around all of these people and just be herself. That's true. It, I, I mean, that's a pretty big. How do you? I mean, they were they were syndicated. They were they were a big deal, especially with Mikado there. Yeah, but she's also like how, got... how did her mom not see any of that or hear about it? See it in a newspaper or any anything? Uh, she looks totally different as Pop Step from. I mean, when she's in character, I don't think she looks anything like the way they draw her out of character. So it's plausible for sure. Hmm. I mean, if you even look at the way she dresses, she she shows off so much as Pop Step. If you were you know her mother, I, I think that it wouldn't even register because when they're not drawing her as Pop, she's normally in like really heavily baggy clothing. So you're you, if you're just not used to seeing someone like that, I and she's masked and everything. I don't know. I could just see the the polar opposite that is Pop from who she is outside of that character. I feel like it would be easy to mistake that, or just that not, is pretty not funny pick that you just it. point out that she hides herself by revealing more of herself. Yeah, as Pop. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> her Pop step costume is there's a lot of skin to that, and usually her. Uh, her just ev- everyday casual dress is very, very modest. Yeah, it felt like there was a lot more skin to it in these upcoming panels, too, uh, or in these upcoming Oh, yeah, chapters. her new costume? Oh, my gosh, yeah, we're going to talk about this. Yeah, so anyways, the police have showed up uh, at the uh, Naru Fest uh, committee building. Hey, is this the Marukane building? I don't even know that. This I is think so. just like some yeah. meeting, yeah. Uh, but they showed up, uh, and, you know... <laughs> You or me, you is just like, hey, you got to get over here. Like, this is bad. Uh, so he starts to go, but then these bees show up uh, kind of near where he's at, actually, and blow up a building as he is, like, trying to get down off of the adjacent building, I believe. So he is kind of freaking out. He falls to the ground and he's like, what is going on? And up in the sky is Pop and Rock. And uh, he sings a little ditty like Pop and Rock are heading to the top of the charts. It's got that little music note there. But Pop is crazy looking i mean like they've drawn her completely differently it is a it is a drastic transformation yeah her visuals are radically different yeah and it's more than just like you know she had i think her normal costume had some like weird bat wing looking things uh right above uh her like her hips on the back but now she has 
uh, more insect-like wings back there, and they're much larger. And I think they're functional. She seems to be flying. She does. I agree. Um, her 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 hair looks very similar, but the almost nothing else looks like Pop. I mean, her hair is almost even more edgier, though. Like they've drawn yeah. her much darker, if that makes sense. They emphasized her in so many more ways. They got yeah. they got rid of her a skirt entirely because I mean, even though it's not yep. a super modest skirt, it's still there. Uh, now yep. she's just wearing like a belt and pretty much like a one piece. Yeah, it's like goth pop. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of like a goth pop. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, I kind of like the new look though, dude. Like she's pretty badass looking as a villain. Yeah, I I will say that it's it's very different and but it's weird that whatever this so this quirk how does this work? This is the thing I was trying to figure out before we started recording. So these these bees take over who she is and they're just like makeover time. So they change everything about her, including like her makeup and stuff. I like or, to think that Six put on her makeup. He's we, that's even worse. But we know he's good at it. He's been covering up that scar. <laughs> So, okay, that's fair. You know, like he's just like, all right, we're going to give you a makeover. We'll plant a bee in your head and then we're going to make you different. You know, we're going to make you a goth pop. <laughs> yeah, I would just I mean, I think we I, I don't know that I'm super clear on the relationship between the queen bee infestation and the actual mind of the user. So like when it was residing inside of Knuckle Duster's daughter, whose name eludes me at the at the moment, um, and sh- like it it amplified some of the conflict that existed between the two of them. I felt like it turned it up a few notches. It definitely maybe. did. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's what's happening here is there's an amplification of sorts, but I still don't know that that like explains away the makeover. That's the thing that I was just like, what happened? Yeah, I, dude, <laughs> it's a very cool visual for sure, but I don't know how, I don't know how it gets explained very easily. This court... so is like the Superman of my hero. Like it's just always got the ability to do whatever the writer needs it to do in the moment. <laughs> I mean, she, I think that like even her facial features are radically different and it could be a trick of like makeup maybe. Um, but she doesn't look very much like, like if you were to put this, this model, like if you were to give me an action figure of, of B pop that was highly detailed. Uh, and then you gave me one of, pop step as she was before the bees took over her then i I, like they look way different especially in the face well they definitely Uh, draw her typically pretty soft and in these panels and in the next few chapters she's drawn very very rigid i mean like she's got hard features if that makes sense and her hair now covers over one of her eyes. Wasn't that kind of a thing with the other uh, mm-hmm. Queen Bee, too? Like, I wonder if that's the host eye, like the, the eye socket yeah. that the bees come in and out of or something, something weird. That's what I would That's what I would guess. So that brings us into but chapter 73. so many is... physiological questions about that quirk, too. I know. It's so, uh, like, this is just a rabbit hole we, of questions. We, we stumbled on over that the first time we talked yeah. about this quirk. Well, I heard <laughs> so a really funny <laughs> saying earlier today. We've got a pile of questions and no shovel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we we take that uh that pile of questions into episode 73 which is called The Queen is Born. Uh, we pick back up right where we left off where uh Six continues in a sing-songy voice saying, "The crowd's going wild. We've got the venue fired up for you, Pop. Looks like it's showtime." So she jumps into action and she says, "I forgot about this as I swipe to the next page." <laughs> I read this and immediately thought of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. I totally forgot. I swiped and I was just like immediately depressed. Uh, it says that they will be beguiled by the new me. And this is as like, she releases 
more bomber bees. A super racy shot too, because it's got her like upside down, so it's just a weird position. And I, I'm telling you, they don't they don't hold back on showing off pop in these panels. Mm-mm. No, there's there's you know, we we had talked about how much exposure, uh, you know, Pop Step had in her former costume, and I think even like the back of the first volume of the manga, I was like, good lord, that's racy. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that 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 panel right there where she's saying where she's dropping that stupid bee pun. I like it's yeah, it's up there. Um, I mean, it's not like graphic or anything. It's just more, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely something more there. Uh, but she wants everyone to have eyes on her and somehow that she's able to tap into like everybody's feeds. It seems like it's some sort of quirk of these bees because it shows them like with little antenna coming out of the vial that is their butt, which is really strange. Yeah. And so it like hacks all of the phones, the TVs, the speakers, everything around. And uh, she says, let the impromptu live show from the new and improved pop step begin. And she starts off singing the Murricane department store theme Inferno. So it's kind of this play on the Murricane theme song that she's been singing, except at this point, she's blowing things up as she sings it. And it's a little bit darker, a little bit different. You know, she's singing about how she doesn't give a crap, can't hear it all. My screaming soul bouncing off concrete walls, trapped in a box and my breathing slowed. This little bomb's fuse is lit, ready to explode. She's up on top of this building that's just crumbling. Uh, X-Men are down on the ground, freaking out, and she's continuing to sing. Koichi appears to be on another building watching this mayhem. The Murakame or the Narufest committee are inside their building and they're watching it. I mean, it's a nightmare. It's like Pop is blowing up and destroying her home around her and everyone that knows her is watching her do it. So two things about this. One of them is a problem that I have with this entire like four pages of her supposedly singing this song. Can you guess what my problem is? No, there's oh, oh, there are no music notes. Not a single music note. Yep. But, you know, she's singing because she said it explicitly. So you don't have to guess. It's insufficient. (laughs) Just just a page before all this starts. Six has got music notes in his stuff. I know. Now we actually get to somebody who is telegram is who is explicitly said I'm about to burst in song. No music notes anywhere. Then, uh, and this is just a fun thing, uh, I don't think that this was intentional, and I didn't try to sync the rest of what she sings to this particular song, um, and I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head what this song is, but the, the first page after she says uh, the, the department store theme, Inferno, there's bomb, 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 bang, 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 and I couldn't help sing it. Or couldn't help but sing it to the rhythm of that one song that's like a bomb, 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 down, 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 bang, 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 bang. You know what song I'm talking about? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up <laughs> later. But there's a song that starts like that. Uh, and I was like, that matches up perfectly. I don't know that the rest of the song does, but it's there for those of you who are listening. Either I sounded like a complete moron or you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's no middle ground. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but yeah, the, the people who worked with her at the mall, they think that Pop is in danger. They're like, what are you doing up there? Like, sh- they don't realize initially that she's the one that's perpetrating the violence. They think that she's caught up in it. Like, hey, we found her. There she is, and she's in trouble. So they're like, get down from there, Pop. You're right in the danger zone with all these explosions and fire. And uh, so Pop turns to them and says, oh, please, danger is sexy. Being feared is awesome, and making stuff go bye-bye is beautiful. Uh, and you know all, uh, you you know you all think that too, deep down, and this confuses the heck out of them which like understandably so 
And so she's like, look at our city. It's beautiful as it lies in ruins. And so she's like, I'm going to share a little bit of this beauty with you and sends a bunch of bees to blow up her friends. Yeah, this is wild. Uh, and she looks she looks wild in these panels, too. I mean, she looks evil. I, I can't describe, other than saying her features are just drawn more more edgy. She just looks really, really out of it. Uh, but Miyu is right in the middle of this blast. She's about to be blown up when Koichi is able to save the day. And he looks stressed in these panels. Like, he's freaking out. Uh, but he's able to get Miyu out of the way, put her off to the side, and then he starts to bounce off. And he says, I don't know what's going on with you, but... And he, he pulls out his tagline, I'm the man who can't ignore you, the crawler. And she says, a little too late. Getting all desperate and clingy now, that's just kind of embarrassing. As she flings a bunch of bees at him, and like they explode right in front of his face, and he falls. I mean, he's just falling in these panels as she screams, I hate you at him. This very Star Wars-y feel to it. <laughs> it's true. One of the other things that I noticed about this, and I, I meant to go back to the uh, the chapters where we first met the Queen Bee Quirk in action, but I seem to recall that anytime one of the bees got destroyed, that it physically hurt the the user of that quirk. And this, like, Pop doesn't seem to be similarly affected when these bees explode. I don't remember that. I like I I distinctly recall like there was a time where maybe a knuckle duster squeezed one in his hand. And then we got a panel of his daughter flinching as there was like a weird sound coming from behind the eye patch. Like she was physically affected when they were damaged. Uh, and then when she used the bombies, it seemed to take a toll on her too. But pop seems to be doing it like crazy. Maybe I'm misremembering all that stuff. Um, but I don't, that, that kind of leapt to mind as, as we were reading all this, but pop, uh, as she leaves Koichi falling to presumably to his death, um, She's like, you know, after that heckler's uh, arrival on the scene, I think we're going to call it a night. So next performance is going to start with a surprise. So everyone get hyped in the meantime uh, until the next time. See ya. And then she, there's this other colossal explosion. Like maybe it's the equivalent of like the ninja smoke bombs. I don't know. I, I couldn't quite make out what what the point of this particular explosion was. as She began to fly away. Um, but we do find out that Koichi, you know, uh, taking up after his master knuckle duster does manage to fall into a pile of garbage and seems to be relatively fine. Um, I mean, it, as in like he's not flattened and lying in a pool of his own blood, at least. And a mysterious figure whose back resembles knuckle duster finds him lying in the trash. Yeah. I like this. I like the fact that he falls into trash. That was a nice throwback. Uh, I got to mention too, in this panel right after she like has a massive explosion in the sky, there's this one little panel where there are some like fire trucks, maybe an ambulance. Did you notice that they put Wii U, Wii U at the top? Like, oh, like yeah. the alarms <laughs> or the sirens. I just thought that was a funny touch. Like, like we didn't already know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is going to lead us right into episode 74 suspect. Uh, this chapter starts off with the reporters on the scene, just going into like the massive destruction that has happened. And uh, the reporter is actually mentioning that three years ago, Naruhata was hit by a massive villain in an incident known as the Kaiju attack. So I went back and looked up to see if we had read about this, because I thought that we had, but I couldn't remember which villain it was. And it was the Godzilla villain that Captain Celebrity had taken down in like his first appearance, I think. So, Oh, was that the one? I assumed it was the one where... Uh, I didn't go back and look like you did because I'm a less responsible uh, podcast host, but I thought it was... Uh, just off the cuff, I thought it was the time where the the peddler of Trigger 
took a bunch himself and then grew super big. That's what I thought it was going to be too, but I went online and did some researching and according to the wiki, this is actually the Captain Celebrity first uh, appearance and gotcha. Kaiju, I guess, is maybe another word for monster because I noticed that Kaiju is what they call the monsters in Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm guessing it's supposed to be kind of like a Godzilla, but they, they mentioned that it was the Godzilla quirked person. Uh, gotcha. So I just, but it kind of gives us an interesting timeline. I didn't realize that three years had passed since Captain Celebrity showed up. That's uh, which which made me think earlier back to that weird flashback we had. I don't think that they have seen Knuckle Duster in at least a year. It's it's been a hot minute. Yeah, that's for sure. sure. They don't really know for sure that it's Pop at the beginning of this. It seems like they they're just reporting that there was footage, basically recorded by someone passing by of someone mysterious, someone up in the air, and they seem to think that she's correlated to the attacks because her gestures appear to control the explosions. Uh, and then a couple panels in, we get a broadcaster that's like got horns and is missing one, and he's all of a sudden like, "Oh, this just in: the authorities have made a statement that the local Naruhuta girl known as Popstep has been declared as a villain and is a wanted suspect." And they're basically showing off that they have got proof that it's her, but it's weird that they're calling her a villain because. Because typically to get on that registry, you have to have like multiple occurrences of doing evil things. And this is just the first time she's done anything like that. So I don't know if maybe someone put in a phone call like, hey, this was a big deal. You got to put her on the villain registry now, like if it's political or if it was more along the lines of she was kidnapped. We know someone's got her. Six has to be involved or someone else has to be involved. So this is more than we think is going on. Yeah, and this this actually ticks Mikado off. Uh, as the next set, uh, series of scenes is Mikado on the phone with Sukauchi, and she's like, "This is a human rights violation. You got to stop them from plastering her name all over the place." And Sukauchi's trying to get her to understand that he he can't do that. Like, she's she's a suspect wanted for a vicious, large scale quirk based attack. The villain label means she will not be treated as a minor in the eyes of the law. And so Mikado begins to fire back at him for this, um, for, for that statement, and he shuts her down. He's like, quit arguing just for the sake of it. You need to understand that a hypothetical second or third attack might do a lot worse than, you know, the d- building damage and minor injuries. So there's no time for your arguments. And if you try something stupid and you get caught in the middle of this, I, I don't know that I can help you. He says, I, I know you feel responsible for the girl, but it's not your place to act yet. You know, he says, help her after she's arrested, then during the trial, support her rehabilitation into society, get the media on her side. But until then, you just need to stay out of it. And she pretty much seems to be okay with that. I mean, she does ask him, though, I, she needs to know something. You know, she says, what's going on with Koichi? And he says, Koichi Hamawari, uh, a.k.a. the crawler. Uh, and she says, well, if there's anyone Pop needs right now, it's not me, it's him. We transition into this scene from Mikado talking to Sukuichi over to the mother on television. It seems like she's being interviewed and just talking about how she never understood or she she thought she understood pop and um, <laughs> the Miyu and you were standing there and it looks like Miyu was actually injured. Uh, but maybe she was able to or she was hit by some of the rubble or something. Uh, she says, Tupi Koichi, where could he be now of all times? I wish he'd come back to us. And then we go back to the cafe, I think, with the Hada brothers there. Is that is that the cafe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they're watching the news, and it seems like you know they're realizing a lot of people are that the Popstep is in a lot of trouble. And it's funny because the uh, the older brother, the one that is the like praying mantis now, or the the big grasshopper, he says that hey, you got to wonder what the crawler is up to. And they're like, no, that's kind of his like specialty. We don't think he was involved, uh, but we don't really know. I mean, it, we have no idea where he's at. The news media seems to think that he's absolutely a suspect. So. 
Did yeah, did you notice that one of the Hood brothers is like they draw a lot of attention to his very neatly bald head with this little like the like lens flare uh visual on his head? Yeah, you're right. They did. I wasn't their whole thing at one point that they were trying to sell a, a hair growth serum that also alleviated erectile dysfunction something like that yeah okay i don't know that's, maybe i'm just that's funny paying too much attention because they it. definitely draw attention to it they've got like the little star like it's shiny next to it and i do feel like i remember him with hair so maybe uh, uh maybe it's not working uh, <laughs> neither up top or down it's, below. Ba- it's backfiring yeah yeah <laughs> um then we we get uh, a glimpse of a figure who is dressed just like knuckle duster and is listening into i guess a newscast as they they find out that a naruhata college student and known associate of pop star step one koichi hamawari age 22 is currently missing as well and we see that this is actually oh crap what's his name i always forget soga. his name soga 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 is dressed exactly like knuckle duster now i mean headband trench coat army boots everything it's pretty cool um, really yeah, it's it's not a look that doesn't fit him. Uh, I think that he he pulls it off rather well, even though he's like maybe a third of the size uh, as Knuckle Duster. <laughs> he's just got to put on some weight. He'll look good. So the, yeah, we we uh, come in ahead of where he enters a building, and we see uh, Rapt is playing a video game. He's the guy that has uh, the the gecko quirk. Yeah, and his right is he? He yeah he is he the gecko quirk or the lizard one? He's a lizard. Well, I mean, a gecko is a lizard. So yeah, but those are two separate things. I think are they? He. I th- think like spinner has one spinner is gecko yeah yeah yeah. and so the, i think raps is just lizard yeah i think you're right and his buddy moya i think is his name that's kind of got like the little fire hair he's like an endeavor but kind of lame yeah <laughs> like the he's lamest a, version of endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> he's like endeavor meets uh like uh charlie brown or tommy pickles oh, that has yeah. just like that one swig of hair on top that's also awesome. doug funny yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but he we just went down nickelodeon memory oh, dude, nostalgia it's crazy uh but they've actually got koichi hanging out so i guess maybe knuckle duster grabbed him off of that trash pile and took him back to these guys to watch it seems like knuckle duster Not knuckle duster you don't think knuckle you think it was soga that got him yeah yeah i do oh yeah no okay that makes more sense because they've got the letter that's right knuckle duster's been gone forever and that flashback totally like broke my brain uh, yep. Yeah. Okay. The disregard. It's just Soga that got him, but Soga's got him and taking him back. Because uh, I was thinking for a minute, I'm like, what is Knuckle Duster doing? Like employing all of these random people to watch folks. Like, didn't they have him or have them watch his daughter whenever she was sick? <laughs> yeah, they <he> did. <laughs> At least Soga. I think that these other two guys just kind of do whatever Soga does, go wherever Soga goes, kind of thing. Like Soga's groupies. They're yeah. just his buddies. Yeah, it's funny because the uh, Rapt mentions uh, that they're in his lair or in their lair, and Moyu is like, wrong. This is my folks' place. Like, they're totally yeah. hanging out in Moyu's Mo mom's basement. <laughs> it's so sad the way that he says it, too. Yeah. But it, it, may, it did make me laugh. And they do this thing, too, and I think I've commented about this previously, where when they have a whole bunch of speech bubbles that don't have the little tail pointing at the person who's speaking, they draw little goofy caricatures of the face of the person who's speaking. I still like that as a as a way of easily communicating who's talking. I wish that my heroes and uh, the, my hero proper line and vigilantes did that more frequently. Yeah. I like it. It's pretty cool. Uh, but they're kind of, uh, filling, uh, Koichi in on what's been going on. Cause it seems like he's been out for a couple of days now. Uh, and it's funny cause Mo, you asks like, where does it hurt? He's like here, there, kind of everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, Soga comes in on the scene and, uh, they, they show him what's going on on TV and he sees the news and he's freaking out. He's like, Oh my God, pop and the bombs. And like, Oh, I've got to go to the cops. Like I need to tell them what's going on. Uh, maybe if I just 
talk to them about it and tell them all about pop that, you know, they'll figure things out. And Soga's immediately like, uh, I mean, you know what, leave the rest of the cops and the heroes. Sure. That's one option. If you're cool with that. And, uh, Koichi's like, what, what are you talking about? Well, then he hands Koichi over this letter, this mysterious letter. And it reads like this. It says, Dear Koichi Hamorai, Koichi, if you're reading this letter, that means you're caught up in some kind of big trouble and it's possible that I'm to blame. First, I'd like to apologize. If my business has somehow come back to bite you, I'm sorry about that. Koichi, do you remember what I said the day we met? And this is when he realized this, uh, that it's from Knuckle Duster and he continues reading. He says, I said, I'll make you a true blue hero. But, and this is how we end this chapter and this week's episodes, that was a lie. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. I, or sad trombone. Wah, wah. One of those, one of two, those things. two things, yeah. I Man, this has got me stoked for 75. Like, I want to know what's been going on with Knuckle Duster. We, we don't really have a good idea of what happened to him after that fight with Six. And we know Six is alive, so... Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, like, specifically why Knuckle Duster would say that that was a lie. Was he grooming him to be something else entirely or not that at all? Yeah. Um, so... Uh, this th- these were four really good chapters. They were they were solid. Like I feel like last episode, I kind of maybe was like ah, I didn't really like those four chapters, but like they set up ne- necessary story for four incredible chapters. These were a blast. Like from moment to for the moment I sat down to the the moment we started recording, I've not stopped thinking about them. They've been awesome. Do you think it, like <laughs> this is terrible? <laughs> do you think there's a point like in the middle of this where Koichi's just like, all right, I choose Mikado. <laughs> <laughs> I had that thought earlier too, actually. Like, <laughs> uh, She's a villain now. <laughs> when, I choose Mikado. Whenever he saw the newscast, I could have I seen him sitting there in, in this bed just like, well, I guess I'll call Mikado. And then th- that'd be the yeah. end of Vigilante. He's like, there's no more. <laughs> yeah. So he pops off being a villain. I'm going to go, I'm going to go better, uh, like hook my wagon to the one who has all of the pros. Yep. yep. Like, <laughs> he takes out a little list and is like baggage under pop's name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's infested with bees. <laughs> yeah. No, I had Although, that thought. It is probably kind of a bad thought to have, but yeah, I definitely yeah. thought that. Although I do I, like, I think her attraction goes up a little bit like this little glam up slash makeover thing that the bees give her or that six gives her what for whatever. Um, I I think that she does like her aesthetics go up a notch or two, like from what she was before. Six is better at makeup than she is. He's going to have to teach her some lessons. Maybe she'll remember that once they extract the beehive from her brain. Yeah. Oh gosh. (laughs) I mean, I mean, surely that's going to happen. It has to, right? right? I, I mean, I I can't imagine they're going to kill Pop. Not knowing that there's still like 30-ish more chapters, I just can't imagine that they're going to kill Pop. Surely they're going to get the beehive out of her, and I don't know. I hope that they explain what the hell this bee quirk is or how it functions, because right now it sort of just feels like this deus ex quirk that they throw in whenever they need a good twist. Yeah, and I think I still think that it functions differently with her than it did previously, and I don't know if there's an explanation for that. Maybe she just has, I don't know, better mastery. I, I don't know because yeah. did did Knuckle Duster's daughter have a canonical quirk apart from the bees? Because we know Pop does, so Pop has presumably her little spring quirk, jumpy quirk, or whatever yeah. it's called. Well, and that's what I was wondering. Maybe it amplifies her quirk, so she can fly now, whereas before she could only like kind of hover slash jump small distances. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, there's a lot to find out, and uh, you know, I think I think that the next. Uh, 
few chapters until we get through the end of this arc, which is called the final performance arc, are going to be some some page turners, man. Sure, man. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we are. See, what you didn't know was that I tricked you into weekly recording so I didn't have to wait to read these. Okay, fair. We did talk for like 30 minutes about how we were going to do all this stuff uh, before we landed on the plan that I spilled out at the beginning of the episode. Felt a little bit like Midoriya there for a minute. Like we were, we were pretty like hardcore into the calendar. Yeah, we were in murmur mode. Man, we haven't had a good mutter mode or murmur mode in a while. We don't have a character in Vigilantes that does that. Well, even like in the anime, hasn't it been a while since we got to see Midoriya slip into that mode? Nah, maybe I mean, he did it. Know, in the maybe movie. he's internalized it for constantly freaking the people out around him. Maybe <laughs> he did it in the movie a small bit, though. Yeah, ah, it's gonna be great. Okay, I'm I'm super excited about the 27th, and I mean all the material between now and then. This is super exciting. I think that we've got a good plan for how the AMP is going to work. Yeah. for the month of March, and uh, you know it'll be fun to get back to weekly recording with you, man. It was those were the glory days back when uh, you know we. Both of us had more time. When the, a- when the AMP was young. <laughs> yeah. And we were all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about uh, how much we could do week to week. Yeah, yeah. That was that was back when I was report- recording, I think, six different podcasts. Those were crazy times for me. I remember I was recording almost every single day for at least two to three hours. It was nuts. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, I had a thought. I... Um, and I can't believe it took me almost you know 60 or 70 episodes. This is episode 70 to even think about this. There are a buttload of My Hero Academia games out there, and I'm curious if any of our listeners have played any of them and if they think they're any good. Like, I just happened to notice that there were at least five or six. I'm curious if anyone's enjoyed them, because if you have, let me know. I'd love to play them. Yeah, see, I I thought about grabbing uh, whatever the newest one is. One's Justice 2, I think, might be the newest one. Um, But I've never been, like, a straight-up fighting game guy. Sure. Like, I, I haven't played a Mortal Kombat for gener- like generations of video game consoles and I tried doing the uh, Marvel versus Capcom when it rolled back around and I just I don't know I, I just, that's just, just not my style Me even either, if I yeah. really like the IPs I'm just not into fighting games I feel like they're really I don't know to me it's like okay so I've beaten them all with the one character I really like and then I'm done <laughs> like I would right, right. I don't need to do any more than that you know yeah and I'm such a casual gamer that like the PvP stuff which is would be the primary heartbeat, I think, of most fighting games, at least nowadays. I'm going to get wrecked yeah, all the time. Same here. And it's just going to disincentivize me returning and picking up the controller and all that. Like, even uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, oh, yeah. Never picked it up. I, like, I played and I love that and franchise. I loved the fighting. It was a lot of fun, but, like, I'm never going to play PvP in that game. It's insane. It's crazy yeah. how good people are in that it's game. It's so technical. Yeah. I've watched a lot of, like, tournaments. Um, with with like the highest level players and i'm just like there's no way i want to get there i, I will never put that much time into a game like no, that ever no. so if there's non-fighting my hero games out there let me know i'd be interested i might stream them or something depending on what platform they're on uh what would the what would a non-fighting my hero game look like it would well, be like a telltale game no i mean like <laughs> like naruto has a bunch of really good uh games that are fighting games but they're not just like like uh, Virtua Fighter or Street Fighter, where that's the only thing that happens. They're like kind of open world where you like you play a character and you go through the world and then you interact with other ninjas and fight them and stuff. So, I mean, fighting game with like other elements, I guess, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, uh, hit us up in the Discord or on Twitter. Let us know which of those games you're enjoying. I believe uh, one or both of the uh, Hero Notes guys has played some of those games, so maybe they'll chime in on that as well. 
to close down this week, uh, I want to. This was actually a question that came to my mind. I might have even asked it. I think you asked it in at our the last end of, episode. Yeah, the end of last episode, you asked it, and then I think you posted to get on Twitter and maybe in the Discord. Yeah. So the I, we uh, in in the midst of looking at some terrible quirks, I think I don't even remember what quirk triggered this, but we got into a discussion, uh, and and these were the two questions that that kind of were born from whatever that discussion was. Uh, the the first question was, what's the worst canonical quirk you'd rather have as opposed to going completely quirkless and the second question was what canonical quirk lies beyond that line i.e what quirk have you seen in my hero or vigilantes that you'd rather go quirkless than actually have uh and i asked this on the twitter and in the discord we got some fun responses so i thought i'd share that with uh with you yes let's do it before you start i will just say Keep in mind, last week, <laughs> when you asked these questions, I said that there was no quirk that I wouldn't take, that I would rather have a quirk, no matter what it was, over not having a quirk. After seeing some of these comments, my mind may have changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so in the Discord, Tomac replied, and he said that the, the quirk, the worst canonical quirk that he would rather have than have no quirk at all was Lizard, which is Raptokages from Vigilantes, the guy that we were just talking about. And he said it would not be good for me during the winter be, uh, d- due to the fact that that probably makes him cold-blooded. Uh, so he'd have to wear a lot of clothes because he lives in the subarctic. But then he just says, but hey, I'd ha- at least have a quirk. But then he says this, and this, I struggled with this for days. And I tried to think of one that was actually worse than the, than the quirk that Tomac, li- uh, that Tomac listed in the Discord. And I don't think there is one. If you think that there is, write us in. Somebody on Twitter thinks that Mineta does, uh, has the worst quirk. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But... Tomac, for the what canonical quirk would you would you never ever have that you'd rather be quirkless than have? He lists the Thomas the Tank Engine quirk. I think it's actually called Locomotive, one of the um, instant villains that we ran into Vigilantes not too long ago. Actually, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, he was chasing Koichi down the street, and I think it was a uh, uh, oh uh, your buddy, your boy, what's his name, Aizawa, that intervened, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. He yeah he he got caught up in that fight as yeah. well. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I wrote back to Tomac like a day or two later and was like, I've been trying to think about a better answer to the second question. I don't, I, I don't think that there is one. <laughs> so you don't like, you wouldn't take being a train. Heck no. We don't know what that guy's quirk was. Like that was his quirk on, on steroids. Basically. What, I wonder what his normal quirk was. Cause that was on, on some sort of uh trigger or something. It, Cause he was, an I mean, he villain. was listed as an instant villain. So I would, I would, I think that that's a safe assumption, but. What is less trainy than a full-on train head? I mean, maybe he just has like <laughs> a. Tr- I don't know. That's a good question. I would. I'm curious to know what his quirk was off of trigger, because on trigger that would be kind of bad. But I mean, it's not the worst, right? Like, surely you'd have some use for that somehow. Something. I don't. I think when when it when I was trying to think of my answer to the second question, I was very averse to pretty much any quirk that changed my physiology. In drastic ways, like even Nagamasamura, um, who I talked about on Twitter today um, with with the uh, with the Hero Notes pod guys, he his his quirk just turned him into like cousin it from the Adams family. I want no part of that. Here's a good question. Maybe this will be something that we could talk about on Discord or on Twitter uh, after this episode. Even thinking about folks like Tokoyami, what are what is romance? What is what do, what do relationships look like for these guys who have uh, quirks that drastically alter their physiology. Is Tokoyami, is he now on the hunt for another bird quirked lady? Or can somebody that doesn't have a bird quirk fall in love with somebody who's got a beak? I mean, you know, I feel like we have mentioned this before. 
there's no way you're telling me that there in this world there totally wouldn't be people that are all into the different like physiology physiologies of these quirks like it just if anything because they're idols to some extent you know what i mean like uh, there are definitely going to be people out there that would love tokoyami just because he is one going to be one of the better heroes i assume like once he gets into that pro hero status there will people that would just do anything for him because of that alone i mean they're almost like rock stars yeah and we talked we've we've mentioned before one of our early catchphrases on the show anyway was we don't kink shame um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's been a while since i think we've said that <laughs> yeah it's also been a while since i said it's not that kind of anime yeah. but we haven't watched the anime for a while it's true um but yeah i mean I, that was a quick like who's who loves thomas the tank engine that didn't love him prior to his quirk emerging and but that that would be a young child's love like who's gonna be like look at this steamy tank engine walking down the street i want to i want to get his phone number or his license plate whatever the hell a train has Is that a pun because um, <laughs> isn't he a steam engine is he? I don't Who? know. No, Thomas the Tank Engine. No, surely not. No, he's got to be coal driven. I don't know. All right. So anyway, that's a that's a fun question. What do you think? What do you think romance looks like for these guys uh, that have drastically uh, altered physiology? Keep it keep it PG <laughs> in the Discord <laughs> and on the Twitters. Let's go ahead and uh, uh, head that head that uh, that particular line of thought off. All right. Getting back to Discord and some of these other responses that we got. Oreo wrote in our Discord and said that the. And this is interesting how close this was to Tomax. He said that the quirk that he would rather have before going quirkless was actually Spinner's quirk, Gecko. So we had these two both uh, independently in the Discord say that they would rather have these lizard-like quirks because he's like, he looks like a Ninja Turtle, can stick to a wall. That's pretty much it. He doesn't even really use the ability and it has the drawback of making him look like a freak. But I guess it's better than nothing, which is kind of what you were thinking uh, last sure. week or last episode. Right. But then his number two. So this is the quirk that he... He would rather go corkless than actually have. And this is from a guy named Teruo. There are two Teruos. We got a Teruo in Vigilantes. This is the Teruo that we saw very briefly in an episode of the anime slash in the manga, um, whose quirk is shame. And this is the quirk that he has to uh, shame himself, bring shame upon himself, and it gives him some sort of power up or, or boost in power. We saw this briefly when this guy was upset with the company that he was working for, was in a trench coat, and exposed himself in public, and then Hawks like almost immediately knocked him out. So we never even saw what kind of power up that quirk might have been able to give him. But that's what the quirk is. So Oreo just says, "Yeah, no thanks." Humiliating yourself for a seemingly unnoticeable power increase just seems kind of ridiculous. I said that for me, I think where I fell out on this was I would actually take shame as the quirk that I would rather have than have no quirk. I think that it's contingent a little bit upon how it is that I can earn shame. Uh, like if I have to always publicly expose myself and, and, uh, who was it that talked about this stricken in the discord was like, if you do something frequently enough, maybe it is that you start to not be shamed by that action anymore. Like if you get accustomed to flashing in public, do you experience that shame over and over and over again? Maybe if like physiologically you've got things to be ashamed of, but it's not the kind of anime. Um, (laughs) anyway, so I would say that would be the quirk that I would have rather than go quirkless is shame. Uh, but yeah, Thomas the Tank takes it for me for, I, I don't want that. I want no part of that. I'd rather be part of the 20% than look like Thomas from the neck up. Well, and I think it was, some of these are the ones that like you start talking about quirks that you would never take. And at first I couldn't really think of any, just when we were off the cuff talking last week. Uh, but after a couple of days, I started thinking about the, uh, oh, what was the guy's name that had the teeth? 
He was like a psychotic patient, I believe, that had broken oh, the out. Moonfish. 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 I like I wouldn't take that quirk over being quirkless. Quirkless all day long. Thank you. I will never have Moonfish's quirk. That seemed a little much. But I don't know. There are a lot of cool quirks. So I just hope that maybe I'd be in that percentage that gets the cool ones. Yeah, you hope. Because <laughs> there there is the shallow end of that pool. There is, um, yeah, for sure. Uh so what about the Twitter responses? Did we get some good ones there? We had we had a couple so we had uh we had Jess uh write into us on the Twitter and all she did was say I don't like Minora Minetta's quirk it's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And I was like I mean it's also accurate because balls don't have points uh but it is it is one that from the beginning we've been like how in the world is he in this hero quirk thing? But I will say um I was listening I'm trying to catch up now on the backlog of uh Go Beyond Pod. Uh, now that I'm to the point in Hero Notes where if I were to continue listening to their newer episodes, I would be spoiling stuff in the anime that I haven't watched, and that would kind of mess with our format. So I've switched over to Go Beyond. They watch one episode of the anime and talk about it uh, per episode of theirs. And they talked about how they, they uh, the, the entrance exam didn't require you to necessarily be destructive with your quirk. You just had to disable the machines so they think that Manetta just walked around and stuck these machines and then figured out how to disable them to score some points enough to pass so I would be interested in seeing what kind of point schemes he got because we also know that that you didn't necessarily get points just from destroying those machines or even stopping them like there were proctors watching and giving people points for other things as well so what did his interest yeah, exam rescue. look like you know what I mean like what was he doing that'd be kind of interesting to see there is canonically somewhere, I think I even like wrote it down somewhere at some point, like who got how many points during the uh, the entrance exam. So I could probably tell you if I looked back at some of our earlier episodes, how many points Mineta actually scored and how, how he got them, whether for disabling slash destructing or rescuing. I didn't think they were line um, item, but yeah, we might be able to. Yeah. You know, yeah. I won't say he's, his quirk's totally pointless though. Like if I had to choose between his quirk and not having one, I'd definitely take that one. I think Mineta's biggest drawback is his personality. Like, if he just was a normal dude, his quirk may not seem like all that much garbage. I don't know. It's come in handy a handful of times, though. Like, at the USA incident, I mean, or USA, it wasn't USA, it was the... Uh, USJ. USJ, thank you. Yeah, I was pretty close. I was just a couple so letters close. off. <laughs> but, I mean, they were able to trap a bunch of villains there, and then he kind of helped out whenever they were fighting Nine. Yeah, So I mean... Jess is entitled to that opinion. Oh, you yeah, and I totally. have thrown a lot of shade at Minora... Mineta. Yes, so, but not his quirk. his quirk. Not necessarily his quirk. I mean... Uh, at, times, at times. Especially early on. Only because especially he's like on. in the top hero class. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. He's welcome to uh, like go to UA or any other hero school. It's just weird to see his quirk and go, yep, that's going to be in the top class of the upcoming heroes. You know what I mean? That's just a... I don't know. Not what I expected for his quirk, but... Yeah, I don't know that I would want it over not having a quirk at all. And I think that that was what Jess was getting at, too. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd take that one. I can't imagine a whole lot of applications for it, but at least I'd have a quirk. Yeah. Uh, then we had our uh, the last submission that we'll, we'll cover tonight was from Chakra Warrior 2012 on Twitter, who wrote to us and said, worst canonical quirk I'd rather have than going quirkless is, I guess, Compass Kid's quirk. And this is a little bit of spoiler territory for you and I, because he doesn't make an appearance in the manga until uh, chapter 77, which is a little bit beyond where we are. Um, but he's got a quirk. I'll just read it to you here. It's called Pointer. It says, Hokuda's quirk allows him to point toward whatever or whoever he's looking for. He needs to spin around in order to activate this power. And since he points with his arms and legs, he can point in a maximum of three different directions at once, leaving one leg to stand on. So that was the quirk <laughs> that Chakra Warrior said they would rather have 
than go corkless. That's interesting. That's a kind of a neat quirk. I mean, what if you get in a pool? Could you maybe do four directions? <laughs> or, yeah, you'd be devastatingly effective at Marco Polo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Or better yet, if you get in a pool and you wanted to point out all four directions, or maybe, I don't know, could you start spinning yourself? Like, could you use this to do some sort of crazy manipulation? I don't know. Chakra Warrior would have to figure it out. Um, <laughs> Then they said that the which quirk I would rather go quirkless than have is the suicide bombing ones from Vigilantes, which we, we which we've seen, um, and then as well as that one villain with the copyrighted head, and he they provided the picture of you guessed it Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> so there was a general consensus among everybody that chimed in on this that that is the worst canonical quirk. The Thomas that they would the Tank Engine definitely go without a quirk than have. Thomas Tank Engine for a hit. That's really funny. I, I, man, huh? You know, I wonder how much that guy had to pay in like chiropractic fees afterwards. Like, you know, he had to get his back sorted after balancing a train <laughs> on his shoulders for a couple hours. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe his, maybe because it's his quirk, his body is adapted somehow to, to I don't know. I don't want to talk about that quirk anymore. It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. I mean, it's been if decided. you think that there's a worse one, write in and let us know. But the competition is real tough. Yeah. Okay. It, not just according to me, but according to, a number of our listeners. <laughs> That's awesome, man. This was a great segment. I'm glad that you put this one out there. Survey says, this would be like the uh, family feud. Survey says, worst quirk, Thomas the Tank Engine, number one. I like it. I and then like I just it. wouldn't play after that. I'd make the other team play. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I like that. Well, man, I think this is going to wrap us up for these four chapters. It will. It will. And we will be... So, again, this episode's going live on the 8th. And then for the next four weeks counting the eighth. So the eighth, 15th, 22nd, 29th, four weeks in a row, nonstop vigilantes content from the AMP. Buckle your seatbelts or, you know, unsubscribe if you really don't want that. Yeah. Well, don't, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, if you're listening to us now, you probably aren't going to be unsubscribing. I hope not. But there is always that option. I hope you'll, not. you'll hurt our hearts, but it's a thing. All right. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys. <laughs>